0: think that classical music is not for you and you don't know where to start or maybe you're a fan already and would welcome a fresh approach you've come to the right place perfect pitch is for everyone beginners or experts whatever your age lend nick healy hutchinson your ears for his weekly dose of classical music that will enrich your life
1: After three episodes, you will know by now that the aim of this podcast is to share my love of classical music with you in exactly the same way you might recommend me a book, play or a film, by way of demonstrating that there really is something in it for everyone, whatever your preconceptions might be. In short, it's to debunk a lot of the negative myths which seem to define this particular genre of music. My view has always been that a little background information, or gentle steer what to listen out for, can only serve to enhance your enjoyment of it. Let's start this week with Joseph Haydn, the father of the string quartet and the symphony, which is why he came to be known as Papa Haydn. This is a triumphant and joyful passage from his Oratorio The Creation, first performed in 1799, which celebrates the creation as told in the book of Genesis. The heavens are telling the glory of God is a few minutes of pure jubilation. The piece was a huge success, performed about 40 times in his lifetime. Turn up the volume a bit. This will make you feel that the world is not as bad a place as we might sometimes think. It's performed here by the Choir of King's College, Cambridge, conducted by David Wilcox, with Heather Harper, Robert Teer, and John Shirley Quirk. to choose one unsophisticated and non-musical word to sum up the 340 hours of Haydn's music, it would be humour. Almost everything about his work is playful and joyous, but that doesn't in any way make it trivial. His successors in Mozart and Beethoven owe him a great deal, but nowadays he's still viewed very much as the support act in a concert programme to be followed by something weightier like a Brahms or a Mahler symphony, and that doesn't really seem to do him justice. Even if you're new to classical music, the likelihood is that you will have heard part of his Symphony Number 96, now known as The Surprise. Unless you've not heard this before, everyone knows what's coming next. But imagine being in that audience in Hanover Square in 1792. This will make the ladies scream, wrote Haydn. And was he ever right? The andante starts quite gently enough, then repeats the tune even more quietly. At this point... As a first-time listener, you are just easing yourself back into your seat, perhaps even indulging in a little shut-eye to soak up some peaceful moments. And then, out of nowhere, bang! The entire orchestra comes in with a thumping chord with what the Germans call a Paukenschlag, a great word meaning kettledrum stroke. The joke is not repeated, but the ensuing minutes make up a series of lovely variations on the tune. And the conductor, Maris Janssens, was an expert in giving every instrument in the orchestra its own voice. In this recording, it's the Berlin Philharmonic. It may be a little predictable to complete a Haydn trilogy with a final movement of his trumpet concerto, but I'm afraid I can't resist it. Not least because this is a live performance given by Winter Marsalis with the English Chamber Orchestra conducted by Raymond Leppard. I honestly don't think you will hear a better rendition than this from the recording studio. It's as thrilling and note-perfect as it can be. If Beethoven were alive today, there has to be a decent chance, likelihood even, that he'd have been cured of the deafness which beset him for the last 15 years of his life. There's a theory, one of many, that it may have had its roots when plunging his head into a bowl of water in times of frustration. In later years, his personal hygiene was almost non-existent, so his ears may have escaped proper cleaning, compounding the problem. Summing up the work of any composer in just one piece is not just difficult, it's verging on the daft. Beethoven's enormous output in his miserable life had many landmarks, many firsts. His third symphony, the Eroica, changed symphonic writing for good. His ninth was the first to include a choir. I could go on. But if I had to single out just one piano piece, which summed up the core frustration of his life, it would be his 23rd of 32 piano sonata now known as the appassionata. Writing or talking about music is notoriously hard and some would say a little futile because as I've said in the past, it's the hearing of it and the experience which is personal to each of us. But Beethoven, who once quipped that he would rather write 10,000 notes than a single letter of the alphabet, speaks to us so directly in his music, and this piece in particular, that it's not at all difficult to understand its message. Beethoven has something of a reputation for tumultuous, even ballsy music. Because of this, it's easy to forget that the man wrote some of the most exquisite and sensitive slow movements in all classical music. So today we're going to listen to the second and final movements of the Appassionata, played with appropriate passion and wonderful clarity by Valentina Lizitza. It starts with a simple theme, followed by three distinct variations before returning to the original At first, it may seem a little pedestrian, but as it unfolds, Beethoven's mastery of counterpoint, that's the ability to have two or more tunes singing at the same time, comes to the fore. It becomes five minutes of pure tenderness, which grow on you each time you listen to it. As it comes to its close, Beethoven launches straight into the final movement without a pause. We're told that this piece is about the forces of nature, but I hear something much more personal. This, surely, is Beethoven ranting at the world at the deterioration of his hearing. Listen to the way the notes go round and round in the first few seconds, which remains a theme throughout. It's the cry of an anguished man, pacing up and down in his room. Anger, frustration, desperation, turmoil. In the unlikely event that he's not made his point the final climactic moments will leave you in no doubt. And yet, in the midst of all this, a pleading, beautiful melody begging for a cure. This is Beethoven laid bare in the sound. Of all composers, few reach us on such a human level. He goes directly to our souls like no other. Some of Beethoven's greatest works were written when completely deaf. Imagine that for a moment, to know how it's going to sound without the experience of actually hearing it. It's almost incomprehensible.